The White Sox are all in. They need to at least make it to the American League Championship Series. And even that might not be enough. Tyler Butterball Butterball. Lonzo Ball, he's one heck of a playmaker. And he's going to set these guys up open. He's going to set up Levine. Now DeRozan, Vooch, he's going to be able to set these guys open. And last year, 37.8% from three-point. That's pretty darn good. And David Double D Dykstra. Texas will be lucky to be 500. Oklahoma will be lucky to get out of there with no more than three losses. Like, they're, they're going into conferences where they're going to get shellacked. Hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BlowTWhistle1. That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. And now, here's Brandon, Tyler, and David. That's right. Welcome, everyone, to Blow the Whistle here on SportstownChicago.com. I'm Brandon Januska here with Tyler Buterbaugh. And David Dykstra decided to ditch us and go on vacation for a couple weeks here. So we're going to have to pick up the slack while he's chilling on a beach. We'll be busting our humps here in the <laughs> studio. For, uh, we, we can do this. Yeah, we, we can definitely do it. Who needs them? It's a well, good thing we don't pay them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, NFL football kickoff weekend has happened. Week one has already occurred uh, outside of the Monday night game here tonight. So we're talking all about football here in this first hour. NFL, Bears, of course. And then, of course, you're killing me, Smalls, before we move into some college football before moving into the next hour. So we're going to get right into it. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's all right. Do it. So the Chicago Bears, duh, Bears. Traveled to Los Angeles, play at SoFi Stadium. First time the Rams have had uh, fans in the stands there at SoFi Stadium, which was just a, a, a great look, great sound. Like the it, the amount of noise coming from those fans there. That was it, it was rowdy. messing with the broadcast. Yeah, it was it was a little rowdy over there, and that is a nice looking stadium. It is. It's it beautiful. Is. It gives uh, the McCaskies something to think about if they potentially move to Arlington. Hint, hint, uh, wink, wink. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I want something at least as nice, if not better. Exactly. Of course, that, they set the standard. Now you got to surpass that. Uh, but the Bears lose to the Rams. 34 14 was the final. Not a great game overall for the Bears, especially the defense. There was just. Not a lot going there. The secondary was getting torched by an old old foe, old division rival in Matthew Stafford, now the starting quarterback for the Rams. And I'm just going to go straight to you. What were your thoughts on, on Stafford just tearing apart that secondary? Man, it was just kind of, I didn't really, I didn't expect anything less. Um, I think it's more because we've, the Bears have been given, Stafford so much trouble throughout the time that he was with Detroit, but I think now that he's got more weapons in the ramp and LA and all that, um, and has more help even with the line, I'm just not too surprised that he was able to just kind of pick apart the defense. But just I'm more surprised of how bad the secondary looked. They it, it just looked it looked it was it was a joke honestly it was just like Eddie Jackson I don't know where his head was I don't know where yeah. he was he kind of never showed up and if you saw like obviously we all saw 
Cooper Cup like 10, 15 yards ahead of three three of the secondary guys, and no one picked him up. And so it just, uh, I don't know, it just looked horrible all the way around. I mean, I'm Stafford, you deserve kicking the Bears' butts because he's been getting a beat down from, <laughs> from them from, the, from Detroit. Yeah, and and I want to know of of course uh, everyone going into this game with Justin Fields his involvement and everything. Dolan overall though did not play a terrible game. What were everyone's thoughts about how Andy Dalton performed in that opening matchup? Was it disappointing? Was it about what you expected? Did he surprise anyone? Let us know at Blow T Whistle One. That's at B L O W T W H I S T L E One on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know what are your takeaways. What are your thoughts on Andy Dalton's debut as a Chicago Bear? But, I mean, because the defense, obviously, a bad look in Sean Desai's debut as the defensive coordinator. But Dalton, overall, he did better than, or not better than expected. He did about what I expected. He didn't lose the game for him, necessarily. That bad pick on the opening drive was obviously not a, not a good play. But, overall, he didn't lose that game. No, I don't. I, I agree with you, Brandon. I, I don't definitely don't think that he lost the game for the Bears. He looked pretty decent. There was so, like there was a lot of passes that he made that were really good, and then there was some opportunities that he missed. As I think everyone saw on one of the fourth and fours that the Bears went for, he had Cole Komet wide open on like a two yard two yard in route and. It, that would have gotten the Bears the first down. So, But the thing that I can't really blame him for is because Dalton's not mobile, and we all saw that he was getting attacked with like without very any help from the offensive line. And he just kind of was... I think that's what Nagy was going for because it was like two-second passes that he was just wanting to get rid of the balls to avoid getting sacked. But it's kind of hard when you have... Aaron Donald on the other end of you, but I mean, it wasn't like anything spectacular that we, I, I saw like it was just a lot of short yardage passes, but I mean, it, he didn't do anything terrible to make him lose the game. Yeah. Uh, Dalton now 0 for 7, 0 and 7 on Sunday night football in his career. So he, he would rather not play that primetime game anymore, but <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned it, all the short passes. He had one pass go for over 10 yards. That was an 11-yard pass to Jimmy Graham. That was the only time he threw the ball over 10 yards in the entire game. And he was averaging only about two seconds on his drop back, so he had to get it out quick. I mean, you mentioned the offensive line. I was not disappointed... I was disappointed with how the tackles played, and obviously the Bears lost James or uh, uh, Jason Peters early in the third quarter, and then Larry Borum went down as well. So they were ended up with their fourth string because remember Tevin Jenkins is out right. for for a little while now too after surgery. So they were on their fourth string left tackle, but the interior Sam Mustafer uh, alongside uh, James Daniels and Cody Whitehair. I thought they actually had a pretty good uh, game in limiting what Aaron Donald could do. He had a sack late in the game. He had a couple tackles, ended with three tackles, one for loss and the sack. But overall, from how off, how bad and, and how 
everyone was talking about this offensive line coming in against one of the best defensive lines in football. I thought they held their own on the interior. Oh, I definitely think so too. They, I definitely, at least in the first half of that game, that offensive line actually looked not bad. Definitely not as bad as, like you said, that we were expecting them to be. And because if you look at a lot of the good things that the offensive line did, they opened up a lot for David Montgomery because David Montgomery looked phenomenal, really good in this game. Even though I wish that they gave, they kind of gave him the ball a little bit more because Nagy was kind of just wanting to go with the pass game. But I mean, yeah, exactly. Like those, those um, guards positions, they looked solid. That yeah. like not bad at all. Very surprising to me. Yeah. And I mean, not only did they do a good job of limiting Donald, but they opened up the running game. David Montgomery rushed 16 times for 108 yards. So that was one of the highlights. It wasn't all just bad, all doom and gloom for the Bears. They had the running game going. I would have liked to see more rushing effort, right. more more rushes in the game overall. But David Montgomery had himself a game, and the involvement of Justin Fields, I loved it. I loved that they got him out there. They gave him plays. Now I want to see more. Right. Oh, I agree. Uh, no, I was like, I liked that we uh, we Bears fans got a chance to see glimpses of Justin Fields. My only issue with how they did it was, I don't know why they didn't let him let the let the kid loose and let him throw the ball a little bit because as we saw, it was mainly he just handed off and then he ran in for a touchdown, which we 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 know the legs that uh, Fields has and. I mean, I wasn't too surprised by that touchdown, but I wanted to see a little more passing. We saw that one, he had his first completion uh, off his first attempt, like in his first snap going in. Yeah. And, but I wanted to see a little bit more of Justin Fields. I honestly was convinced that with the, the score being how it was uh, late in the fourth, I was kind of expecting the last four minutes, Nagy was going to play Justin Fields. Just kind of see, because I, deep down, I definitely think that Nagy was not thinking that. Okay, Dalton's not going to bring us back to this game, but I was hoping that he'd think, you know what? Let's throw, let's throw the kid in and see what he can make out of this, like towards the end of the game, because that is pressure right there. If you want to, like, if you want to see if Fields can perform under pressure, is letting him play in this kind of situation where it's like they play it as like, all right, we need to come back and win. Would Justin Fields bring the Bears back from that deficit? Probably not. But I mean, it it kind of gives you a better idea of what to what uh, Fields can put to the table on a primetime game. Yeah, it's all about reps. Just let him get out there and do what do what he does. Obviously, I would have preferred had he just started and and been the guy. I <laughs> yeah. think we could all agree on that. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but the fact that they had Dalton be the starter, I'm glad he took the field. I love that they actually put him in, let him take the field. Now, like I said, now we just need to see more. Yep. We need to see more Justin Fields. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other quarterbacks who were drafted in the first round as all five quarterbacks drafted in the first round took the field at some point yesterday. Which one was the first to score a touchdown? Find out next on Blow the Whistle. first career NFL touchdown pass. 
That's right. Trey Lance was the first rookie quarterback this year to throw for a touchdown. Credit to Fox NFL with the call there. And Trey Lance, the guy who didn't even start. There were five rookie quarterbacks taken in the first round. Three of them got the start. Trey Lance, one that did not, but he is the first one to pass for a touchdown out of the five. Did you see that coming? I don't I don't know that I did. I really was not expect that coming at all. I can only I almost was thinking because they were up by so much already, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to see a Trey Lance at all coming into that game. Yeah, I I mean, if they did not not to have him be the guy that kind of stole a rep there from from Garoppolo, which is kind which kind of brings me into this, the what they did there is very similar to what the Bears did with Justin Fields in terms of Garoppolo drove down the field, then they went to Trey Lance and he put it in for the touchdown. The Bears did a similar thing. Andy Dalton drove down the field on that opening drive and then they go to Justin Fields. He didn't score the touchdown there, but then later on, on a later drive, he did have that rushing touchdown. So my question to everyone out there, is that something that can work? Is that something that can be sustained having that that two quarterback set, that dual quarterbacks? They're not on the field at the same time, but having one guy drive down the field and then go to the rookie, is that going to mess with the mindset of guys like Garoppolo and Dalton and throw them off, kill momentum? Or is that something that can be sustained? Let us know at Blow T Whistle one what your thoughts are, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can that be sustained, Tyler? I mean, to me, I mean, that the whole thing like that, like switch it, swapping quarterbacks, I could see that they're the they like the Niners and the Bears are wanting to kind of throw off the defenses, but like I think it's just gonna, like you said, it's gonna just kind of get into the starting quarterback's head as Garoppolo and Dalton are the starting quarterbacks. And to me, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird doing that. I don't know if they decided to do that just to kind of like give the rookies a little taste of what the NFL, like week one NFL is like, but I don't know. It was just, I I have like weird feelings about it. It was just kind of odd to me. Yeah. I, I don't think it's something that'll work sustained or to be sustained because yeah, it just, it's going to mess with momentum. It's going to mess with the guys. Like, if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I drove all the way down the field, but he gets all the praise and glory because he's the one who scored the touchdown. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't like it if I'm a quarterback. So it could be something to watch moving forward if both those teams continue to do it in this way, just have them come out for set plays in the red zone. So something to look at. But there were other games, a lot of tight games around the league yesterday, including what I would consider the game of the week, the Cleveland Browns in Kansas City taking on the Chiefs. And what a game that was. Uh, the Chiefs ended up winning it, pulling it out 33-29. to But the Ram- or the Browns, rather, they had that game, in my opinion. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I was watching that game, and the Browns looked really good like they looked a lot better than last year and I'm see- we're seeing a lot more of uh Kareem Hunt and now that duo of Chubb and Hunt like that's it's a deadly backfield but yeah no the Browns definitely should have had that game in the bag 
I don't think Kansas City was ready for the Browns to come out like slinging like that. But I mean, obviously, you can't count on Patrick Mahomes. He's like the he's like like you said like like we've said he's like Tom Brady and Tom Brady. You can never count him out. Just like in Thursday night's game. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Mahomes, you, you know he's good for a comeback, and and the Browns knew that too, which is why, I mean, they had a twenty-two to ten lead at the half, but they showed their aggressiveness from the start. They committed to the run, especially with Nick Chubb. They got Hunt in there as well, but the fact that they went for two, they scored a touchdown on their first drive and went for the two-point conversion, knowing that points. They they needed as many points as possible. They needed to just outslug Kansas City, knowing that they're good for typically thirty a game at least. Right? Yeah, I know. I was like, I was a little surprised that they went for two on that first drive, but like you like just like you said, we know that Kansas City can put up 30, 40 points in a game because it's just their offense is unbeatable. Yeah, and then another shocker around the league that I, I know I was excited about. I'm sure you could say the same as well. I think most people around Chicago just absolutely loved was Green Bay taking on New Orleans in Jacksonville. So due to the Hurricane Ida, Saints can't play at home, can't play there. So they are playing in Jacksonville, taking on the Packers. I thought it was just going to be a shootout, just yeah. going score for score all the way down. That is not what happened. No, sir. <laughs> that is not at all what happened as Aaron Rodgers had what was probably his worst game of his career. Definitely up there as one of his worst games ever. This was his biggest point differential loss or most most points allowed in his, in a loss in his career. It was 32 points, and now this is 38 points that he – that uh, they lost by, or like it was 38 that they, that they scored. Up. I'm sorry. It was 35 of the point differential. That's the biggest loss differential that Aaron Rodgers has ever had in his career. And I'm sorry, but against Jamie Winston, that was a little bit of a shocker to me. Yeah. I mean, I, tr- I trust Jimmy, Jameis Winston. I trust him to move the ball downfield. He's due for a good a good amount of picks on the season. He didn't throw one against the Packers though. So No, I was that's where I was surprised about yeah. where he went for five touchdowns and he had no interceptions. I was very shocked about that. But like you said, I mean, it was against the Green Bay Packers. Absolute uh great feeling for us Bears fans. Yeah, definitely to see Green Bay struggle so mightily. They didn't even score a touchdown. Like Yeah. Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, well, Fields rushed for one. He did not throw for one. Andy Dalton has more passing touchdowns <laughs> and less interceptions than Aaron Rodgers, who threw two. Yeah. Andy Dalton threw one. He lost a fumble as well, so turnovers are the same between those two guys. But Andy Dalton statistically has better numbers than Aaron Rodgers right now. It's funny you say that because I was um, just kind of going back and forth with one of my buddies that is a – Packers fan and I wasn't really saying anything much until Justin Fields scored his first touchdown and I just go hey and he's like what's up I'm like 
Fields has more touchdowns than the entire Packers offense. And that was just <laughs> a great thing to brag about. <laughs> yeah. And so Jordan Love actually played the last 10 minutes of that game and, and did all right. He, he, nothing too, too fancy, nothing too flashy, but he, he did his job. He did it. Fairly well, five for seven, sixty-eight yards. But yeah, the the way that they just could not move the ball whatsoever, shocking. I was even surprised of the run game. Like their leading rusher was only had nineteen yards. Yeah, and, and it I, wasn't Aaron Jones. No, it was AJ Dillon. That's what, and that's what I was annoyed about because I was like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm glad the Packers are getting whooped, but I have Aaron Jones on my fantasy team. <laughs> of course, and I'm like, I need some yards here. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So. The good news for the Bears, obviously, is not only did the Packers get shellacked, like like we like to say on this show, I thank love you, David it. Dykstra, even though you're not here, we'll use your phrase. They got <laughs> shellacked. Everyone else in the division lost. So technically, the Bears, if you go by differential, they're not in first, but there's a four-way tie for first place in the division. If you go by alphabetical order, they're in first. <laughs> exactly. If you go alphabetical order, the Bears are in first place in the division, in the NFC North, as they all are off to an 0-1 start. So great job, NFC North. Good job. <laughs> great job. The West on, in comparison, is 4-0 to start off the season. So two different sides right there yeah. between these two teams or these two two divisions right now. It'll be interesting to see how it goes moving forward. But one other game I want to touch as well is the Steelers and the Bills. Oh, the yes. Steelers defense shutting out. Now, well, not shutting out, but limiting, shutting down that prolific Bills offense and, and being able to pull out a victory there. That was a big surprise because, as we saw, the Steelers had the best record in the league last year, and they kind of got exposed when they lost badly to the Browns in the first round of the playoffs. So that's when I was thinking, okay, this Brown, the Steelers team isn't legit. But, man, oh, man, did that defense look mean and scary against the Bills. And we've known the Bills have a very solid, besides from the Chiefs, they have a great offense as well. And to just see them struggle against the Steelers uh Steelers uh, defense and not only their special teams as they the Steelers defense Steelers special teams got a block punt return block punt for a touchdown. Yeah. And, no, I was just saying just like yeah, it was it was a surprising game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, the Bills led 10 nothing at the half. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. scored 20 unanswered points there in the second half and and that that did it. 23-16 was the final. So to see just kind of that flip the halftime adjustments there, it's, I mean, not as big a stakes, obviously, but it's it's almost like that Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl. Just, yeah, obviously, 10-point game, not the same as, totally, but in terms of just <laughs> halftime adjustments, the Bills had everything going, and then the Steelers just come out the gates in the second half and throw it all together. 17 points in the fourth quarter, too, so... The flip flipping of the of the switch there. It'll be interesting to see how the Bills respond next week. Definitely, and I just got to real quick say that I was impressed with Najee Harris's performance. Rookie running back, not too bad. Sixteen carries, forty five yards. But some of his runs that he had, oh, he looked like that. It was more towards it in the second half that the Bills just could not get him down. He looked really good in that first game. Yeah, 
Well, it's about that time now where we give that moment from the week that left us saying, you're killing me, Smalls. And with football back in, in full swing, I'm sure everyone has a lot of things, whether it's fantasy related or or just your team lost. Everyone, I'm sure, has plenty of killing me, Smalls moments. And we want to know what those moments were for all of you. So hit us up, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at BlowTWhistle1 and let us know what had you say, you're killing me, Smalls. And you'll hear here are moments coming up here on Blow the Whistle. You're killing me, Smalls! That's right. We are back here on Blow the Whistle. I'm Brandon here with Tyler. And it is time for You're Killing Me, Smalls, where we give those moments from the week that just left us say, You're Killing Me, Smalls. And, of course, we want to know what those moments were for you as well. So hit us up, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. That's at B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. And let us know what left you saying, You're Killing Me, Smalls. And Tyler. What was it? Oh, man, oh, man. I mean, before coming on to the show, I was just like, you know, I don't know exactly what my Killing Me Smalls is, but it's going to be something towards the Bears. Yeah, of course. And <laughs> you know what? I was just thinking that we didn't really touch, we didn't really attack Nagy in the in our Bears segment, so this is my chance to attack Nagy. There we go. Oh, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy. So, <laughs> sorry, I had to clear my throat there because yeah, this get, is going to get ugly. Got to get ready for this. <laughs> But Matt Nagy, okay, so I, I'm just, this is going to get all over the place. I'm going to warn you that right now. <laughs> but we all know that Justin Fields is the better quarterback. He should be starting. He should have started last night's game over Andy Dalton. Because my whole thing is, first off, Nagy already said, and because Nagy said they're going to wait until Justin Fields is ready. You even said it yourself, Nagy, that Justin Fields is ready to play. When he when he gets called upon, he'll be ready. So if he's already ready, and you said once he's ready, we'll throw him out there. That What are you waiting for? Throw him out there. Give the fans what they want and give what's going to – give the, the team what's going to make them better because I'm sorry, but Andy Dalton's not going to make this Bears offense go anywhere despite them not looking – him not looking terrible. But this is the problem is Nagy was – setting up plays where it gave Andy Dalton like two seconds to throw, which short short pass yardage, okay. But the thing is, the Bears' offense had possession of the ball. They were on the field 10 minutes more than the Rams' offense. And how is it that they can only they only put up 14 points? So this is the problem. Is with you, Nagy, you know the, the situation with the O-line right now. The quarterback... Danny Dalton's not going to have enough time to throw, and he's not mobile. At least if you have Fields in, he'll be able to extend the play, give the offense a chance to go more than 15 yards a play. I mean, come on, Nagy. I mean, you know you fin- you guys finally made the right decision, got the right quarterback in the draft because we all know that the Trubisky pickup was a mistake. And granted, I still think that Nagy did not quite – do what he could have done better to help out Trubisky. But for the love of God, Nagy, if you ruin this for Justin Fields and break Justin Fields, you're going to have the whole fan base. Uh, have The whole the whole Bears fan base is going to have your number. So I guess basically Matt Nagy for just not – not getting the the play the quarterback situation correctly, but it's clearly 
right in your your like right in your vision of who's the better quarterback, who's going to make this team successful, and who's going to potentially save your job. So Matt Nagy with just still unsure of what to do with Fields when it's blatantly right in your face. I'm giving you a big old. Yeah, there's so much that you could critique about Mac Nagy, and and you hit it right on the nose. The the quarterback situation is obviously the big topic in Chicago. Yes. The big topic for the Bears, and they're butchering it. Absolutely. It's, they're, they're like hiding it. And yeah. it's like, what is there to hide? I mean, we see everything. We know who's, it's clear that who's the better quarterback. And even just that little bit that Fields was in, we just with his mobility, he was able to scramble. He is so fast. <laughs> He's going to be able to run away from the defenders. And I just, I don't know why, because we like he like I said, he knows the situation with the offensive line. It's like put in the guy that best suits of your current situation right now with that offensive line. Yeah, definitely. And well, I'm actually there's a lot that happened in football that I could easily go after. I'm actually going to switch it over to baseball. I have this okay. one from Friday, and I think it takes the cake over anything else that happened football. Like, there's so much I could go after, but I, I have to go after this guy, and it's Mike Montgomery. If that name sounds familiar, if you're a Cubs fan, it, it should. He's the guy, he's the pitcher who recorded the last out of the World Series, the 2016 World Series. Right. Mike Montgomery recorded that last out. Boy, has he fall, fallen off since then. Uh, he's now pitching in the KBO, the Korean baseball organization. So he's he's out there right now. And what he did, he pitches for the Samsung Lions. On Friday, he was warned. He was ejected after being warned by the umpires about the league's 12-second pitch rule. So you have 12 seconds after you throw a pitch to then throw your next pitch. Right. He was ejected after being warned about it. And as he was being led toward the dugout, he then charged at the umpire who ejected him and had to be restrained by teammates to keep him away from him. So since he couldn't actually get to the umpire, he then fired the rosin bag at the umpire's back. He hit him in the back with the rosin bag as the umpire was talking to his his team's manager, to the Lions manager. Oh, my God. And after he was eventually then ushered into the dugout and and led off the field, he removed his jersey in the dugout and threw that back on the field before then heading down to the clubhouse. (laughs) So just blowing up over what is a rule in this league, a 12-second pitch rule. Obviously, pitchers are are used to a routine, and and his apparently is more than 12 seconds between pitches. It's something you have to adjust to, though. It's something that the league rules state, and and you were warned about it, and then you were ejected for it. Keep your composure. Obviously, you get ejected, you'll you'll yell, you'll get into a shouting match, stuff like that. That's normal. Yeah. But don't throw things at, like, don't fire a projectile at the umpire with his back turned to you. That's just unclassy. Yeah. So, I mean, Mike Montgomery, that's... That's just uncalled for. It's unacceptable. You can't be doing that in any league. No. So, I mean, keep your cool. Keep your composure. You can yell all those things. You got ejected. Get your money's worth. But don't go throwing the rosin bag at people. Come on, Mike. No, come on. So, for that, Mike Montgomery, I say to you. You're killing me, Smalls. That's just, come on, man. Yeah. You're just putting a... 
that's just come on, dude. You gotta have more self control than that. That's just that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he he's fallen out. He, he's no longer in a major league team. He pitched with the Mariners before, then coming to the Cubs was part of that dream team in 2016 with the Cubs. That historic season was with the Royals. Got cut from the Yankees minor leagues earlier this year. Uh, obviously now in Korea and doing stuff like that. That's how you get ejected for good. That's how you get banned from a league. Oh, exactly. Something like that toward an umpire. You saying, telling that story, that reminded me that I was almost going to use this. This is where I remembered. I was almost going to use this for your Killing Me Smalls, but I didn't know how relevant it was because I saw it off of a, a TikTok video. <laughs> and it was, uh, I think it was like a high school girls softball game. And the umps... Uh, Pitching box was they didn't they weren't agreeing with it. Okay, so they had a mound visit with the pitcher, the co- like the coach, and I believe they purposely told the the pitcher and the catcher to for the pitcher to just throw a fastball and the catcher to move out of the way, and the ball went just straight directly into the ump's uh, mask, and the ump just got ticked off and he just canceled the game. Really? Either he, he he called the game, or he like made uh he made that team lose. It was yeah. Wow. It was insane because it was blatantly obvious that the catcher. It was just kind of like right when the the pitcher was winding up, she just the catcher. She just kind of just slid to the right, and the ball went straight to the ump, and he was just had like that like, are you kidding me? And he like marched over to the dugout, and it was just ugly. Yeah. So no ejections for that one. Just no. just straight up. Hey, you forfeit the game. If that, if that's how you want to play it, you forfeit. Yeah, that's exactly how it went. I'm pretty sure. All right. I, if I find I it, I'm going to... I like that. I like that. I, th- I, umpire, I respect I mean, that. Hey, you can't be having that. Like, no. Come on. Like, you got to keep control as the umpire. And, and he sure did that. He said, all right, if that's how you want to do it, you don't get to play. Exactly. The end. All you're, right. you're done. All right. Well, that we're also done here with your killing me, Smalls, as our music has run out. So that gives me the <laughs> signal that we are out of time here for this segment. But we had some good ones. Those, those, those were, were good. good yeah, they were. This one. I mean, <laughs> forfeiting games, throwing rosin bags, Matt Nagy, of course. Oh, um, we forgot to ask. <laughs> hey, David. Uh, David, oh, wait, he's not here. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. David, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. For not being in the studio Going on with vacation, us. Right. not that's inviting right. us. And, of course, I mean, to go off of yours as well, our recurring one from KB Mack, that Matt Nagy has not put in Justin Fields. So it goes right along it, right along that. with yours. That's I don't know what day we're on, but that's been his, his recurring killing me, Smalls, uh, for, for a few weeks now. So we got to give that one as well. Well, if you didn't hit us up yet, be sure to hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. Let us know what your killing me, Smalls moments were because we love to hear them. It's always a lot of fun with that segment. Well, the Big Ten has three teams ranked in the top ten after Iowa did something for the first time since 1960. Find out what that was coming up here on Blow the Whistle. It's been that kind of day. Last-ditch effort goes awry. As so many issues have for the Cyclones today, Andrew Mevis never had a chance. And now I will be able to run out the clock. That's right. 
Iowa, Iowa State, college football, full swing, obviously, in week two, as Iowa able to knock off Iowa State in that one. Credit ESPN with the call there, and Iowa did something, like I said before, for the first time since 1960, and that was that they beat two top 10 teams, or two ranked teams in back-to-back weeks, something they had not done since 1960. And that throws them into the top five now in the college football rankings, the AP poll. That is insane. I mean, I knew. That's why I'm like, I'm not a fan. I don't like Iowa because Iowa is Nebraska's rivalry, rival. But they're, they're just looking really, really good this year. And I didn't, I didn't know about that until you just said that, Brandon, that – so it was 19... 1960. Wow. Was the last time they beat two ranked team, uh, two ranked teams in succession. That's that's oof. And they deserve to be at that spot number 5 right now. Absolutely. After I'm seeing how the rest of the teams that are listed under them they totally deserve to be in the top in the top 5. Yeah, well the, I mean their win not as much an upset. I mean two two Evenly ranked teams coming in in Iowa, Iowa State. But Iowa takes that one with relative ease for the most part there. But another upset, another team that jumped into the top five, Oregon. Yeah. As they played the the Ohio State. The Ohio State. The Ohio State. Well, the Ohio State could not come out with a victory there. They made it close at the end coming back, but the Ducks able to hold them off, and the Ducks jump all the way up to that four spot. Ohio State moves all the way down to nine in the rankings. I was able to catch glimpses of this game because I was at work, but Oregon's offense was looking so good against the Buckeyes defense, which I honestly don't think the Buckeyes defense is as good as they were last year, but still good defense. And the run game that they had, Oregon's running game is phenomenal. Their leading rusher, C.J. Verdell, 20 carries, 161 yards with two touchdowns. That is... Just seeing how he he was finding the right gaps, and he is fast as all hell and he just he looked really good I'm excited for this Oregon team yeah averaged over eight yards a carry 8.1 and then Anthony Brown behind him 10 rushes for six 65 yards so the quarterback getting it done on the ground as well as in the air and one thing I wanted to say was I have to just point this out because I remembered uh David was saying just like Oh, he doesn't like he doesn't feel Ohio State. Def, Ohio State's definitely not the same team as they were last year. But cuz he was like he said that he was a little iffy on the quarterback situation. Well, I got to say the quarterback situation his performance unbelievable. 35-54, they had him throw a lot, but 484 yards yeah. along with three touchdowns. Yeah, CJ Stroud he, he kept his team in it. He kept them back. He got them back into it and, and kept it close throughout. 35-28 was the final. So it was just a one-score game, one-score final. But, I mean, he did everything he could. That defense just could not stop the Ducks. And more things I'm looking at here, which is impressive, is C.J. Stroud, he spreads the ball because he had three wide receivers, three receivers with over 100 receiving yards. Yeah. You never see that. 
that's insane. Because obviously, I mean, Chris Olave, that's he's usually been their top guy, especially especially when Justin Fields was there last year. Yeah, but and, and led the way with twelve receptions here. Yep, and uh, one hundred twenty six yards. So Ohio State, I gotta say, they did get dropped down a lot more than I thought they should have. But I mean, I think it's more Oregon wasn't as high of a rank as they they should have been because they were at twelve before. Definitely looked like a top five team. I agree with where they're at right now. I just I think Ohio State dropped a little bit further than I believe they should be. Okay, so I mean they're at nine right now. Cincinnati's ahead of them at eight. Would you put them ahead of Cincinnati then, or or how would you how would you re rank this if you were would, moving Ohio State? I would put. Oof, that's a tough one. I haven't seen much of Texas A&M, so I can't okay. really say much about Texas A&M. But I could see them being around like, yeah, above like about seven or eight, I think. That, but I mean, they got dropped. They got dropped low. Yeah, six and, spots. Yeah, and so in the coaches' poll, they got dropped down eight, which I was very. I I don't agree with that. But I mean, I think they got dropped down a little bit further than they should have. But I mean, I just think Oregon was a, more of a surprise team that. They didn't really expect to pl- be playing that good, and they're they're lighting it up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, your new top five now: Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Iowa. As Texas A and M and Ohio State both dropped out, Texas A and M now at seven, Clemson ahead of them at six. You mentioned just real quick about Oklahoma. Can we just? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Yes, Oklahoma dropping seventy six points against Western Carolina. Western Carolina, big old goose egg. Didn't score nothing. Granted, it's West Carolina. I mean, Oklahoma should have, but 76 points. You never hear that. Yeah. That, that is a Madden <laughs> score. It is. I mean, for any team to lose by that much, and not only that, like you said, to not even score, you couldn't even get a field goal at any point. I, I wonder if they even had the ball on the other side. <laughs> I'm going to try to look that up here, but just to get totally dominated like that, I'm, it, it makes you question. It's like, why are you even playing the game? Exactly. Why, why do we even go? If you see Oklahoma on the schedule next time, it's if I'm them, I'm saying, all right, we're, we're not going to go. Like, yeah, we're not. <laughs> why? We'll just we're just going to help you pad our, your stats. Like, right. We're just going to wait until an opponent that's a little more evenly matched with us. I do got to say that Western Carolina, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know much about them, but we were talking about how week one, how Oklahoma's defense has not looked good and have not, like, the fact that they let up, I believe, what, 40 points against, four, they, let, they let up 40 points against Tulane. Which that is atrocious, and so this team, this team that they they went against had been dog god, doggone awful to let them score seventy six points. But I mean, Oklahoma plays Nebraska next week. It's gonna be kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that's your team, the team you support. Do they have a chance? Is Oklahoma gonna be too much for them? Hopefully, it's not seventy six nothing. Oklahoma, but but where do they fall in that range? Well, Nebraska is on a two game, yeah, two game winning streak right now. As I mean, not impressive wins, but I mean they beat Buffalo as much as I figured they should have beat Buffalo. 
But I mean, as how I've seen Oklahoma's defense, I I'd love to say there's a chance for Nebraska. Just, but it's like that that offense and the quarterback situation. In Nebraska is just very iffy. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a much closer game than people think. Okay, I'll go with that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean. If you look at the spread for last week's Sooners game against Western Carolina, it actually was a 52-point spread. So oh, wow. they they were projected to absolutely destroy them. Yeah, that's a total so, beatdown. And so they knew coming in, maybe not 76 to 0 bad, no. <laughs> but but they knew coming in this was going to be a rough one, which again, it's like, all right, I I understand getting reps against a good team. Can, can help you improve, but not when you're just getting absolutely destroyed. I know. I mean, I just I couldn't believe that. And I wonder if I would hope some of the backups of Oklahoma played and got some reps in because I mean that that's just that's just that's just uh, kicking their like heads to the curb and just kind of stomping on them, scoring that absurd amount of points. Yeah, and then on the local front, Illinois losing forty two to fourteen to Virginia. And Northwestern actually did win their game, though, 24-6 to over Indiana State. So a win for Northwestern, a loss for Illinois. Illinois, it looks like a rough season coming up. I know they, they upset the Cornhuskers, much yeah. to your dismay, but <laughs> they able to get one victory at least, a conference victory too, Big Ten victory, but... It could be a rough season, especially if they're starting quarterbacks out for an extended period. Yeah, I think, I think um, Illinois looked very good against Nebraska, but I mean, I couldn't really tell because I don't know exact. I still don't even know where Nebraska sits at in this the rest of the season. But I mean, yeah, with the loss of their quarterback, that's going to be very tough for them. And then along with Northwestern, Northwestern is like a hit or miss every year. Like, last year, they were obviously known for their amazing defense, and that's what brought them to the Big Ten Championship last year. But, I mean, this year, I mean, I don't I don't know. It's going to be kind of tough. Northwestern's hit or miss for me. Okay, and Northwestern takes on Duke this coming weekend. The Northwestern is a three-point favorite in that one. As for Illinois, they take on Maryland. Maryland, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite there. And in terms of Nebraska... Oklahoma's 22-point favorite. So not as bad as, as last week, 50-plus, uh, no. but still still long odds for Nebraska if they want to pull off a major upset against number uh, number two, Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean... Or I'll, number three, rather. Georgia's yeah, number three. Two. Number I'll three, be able Oklahoma. To, I'll be able to catch a little bit of the game, but I mean... With that point spread, oh my god! Uh, yeah, that's 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 oh, that's atrocious. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I would love love for an upset because then I can come to school next week and just <laughs> absolutely just brag. Even though I don't know, that, I don't think there's anyone here that's an Oklahoma fan. Uh, not not, not that, that I, know I can think of offhand. But just so I can just brag into it, and even even though Grant is not an Oklahoma fan, I mean he hates Oklahoma. He's an Oklahoma State fan. Right. He'd probably be cheering with me. So <laughs> I'm hoping for that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens in week three of college football. But on the other side, Chris Bryant had a gift for Cubs employees when he made his return to Wrigley over the weekend. What did he do? Find out here next on Blow the Whistle. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back 
2015 Rookie of the Year, a four-time All-Star, 2016 National League MVP, and World Series champion, number 17, Chris Bryant. The Chicago Cubs select Chris Bryant. Just to be a part of something special that could bring, you know, Chicago their first championship in a while would be something that I'm sure anybody would remember that for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I sure hope to be a part of that group that brings it to Chicago. Batting third and playing third base, number 17, Chris Bryant. Is this the one? You bet it is. The first of Chris Bryant's career. That's right. That was the tribute that the Cubs did for Chris Bryant there. And a, a great, great tribute for him. A great atmosphere, standing ovation. I was actually in attendance for that game on Friday. I was in the bleachers and left. So right behind Bryant as he played left field in that game. And and just a great moment there to have him out there. You couldn't see it too well from the bleachers, but up on the video board to see the tribute. And then he was out there watching it as well. Obviously an emotional time for him as well. I was just, I know, I remember, I knew about you going to that game and I was just wanting you to kind of talk about it. And I just want to, I also want to know how was the other, the rest of the fans reactions too? like seeing Chris Bryant coming back and watching that video as well. Obviously we saw that how emotional Chris Bryant was, but I want to, I also want to know like, what was it like the fans there too? Yeah, I mean, like, ev everyone was on their feet. Absolutely everyone. Standing ovation, everyone cheering. Lots of signs, lots of Bryant jerseys. I wore my blue road <laughs> jersey. I figured it fit since he was technically the road player. Couldn't wear home Bryant jersey. He's right. not the home player. So, <laughs> so I, I wore my blue number 17, Chris Bryant, and and, and uh, as did probably half the people in the stands there was wearing a Bryant jersey and, and yeah, just a great environment. Lots of cheers every time he came up and not, not just at the beginning and his first at bat, another standing ovation, but every time he came up or did something, cheers for him all the way. Good. I was, I mean, I was really hoping for that. I didn't get a chance to watch the games, but I mean, with the kids started, with the Cubs since he got drafted and went through a World Series with the Cubs. So I was really hoping and I'm really glad that the Cubs really got, uh, did a tribute to him. And obviously it's, I mean, what I, I was kind of joking around before, but it really shows of how much that Chris Bryant like means to the Cubs fan base is I pointed it out. Um, the Cubs PA announcer, he, you could kind of hear in his voice, he choked up a little bit because I mean, I can I can only imagine the emotions going on when you're announcing Chris Bryan, like your whole because he's he's a new PA guy, like yeah. his whole career. So, I mean, that just shows of how much that Bryant meant to the Cubs fan base, and it's, it's it was truly remarkable. Yeah, definitely. And and like I said before the break, not only did Bryant get a tribute, but he gave something back to the Cubs employees as well. He and his wife Jessica, they made cookies for. Uh, I imagine hundreds, hundreds of cookies had to be made and gave them to all the Cubs staff working on Friday. So little Cubs cookies. We'll post a picture on, on 
Facebook, on our social media, at BlowTWhistle1. So be sure to follow us, like us, and you can see the cookies that he made. Follow us at BlowTWhistle1 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, yeah, just a great moment all the way around. I thoroughly enjoyed it. De- definitely don't regret going to that game, even though the Cubs did end up losing Friday by a score of 6-1. to one. Bryant, for his part, did not have a hit. He did draw a walk and score to run in that Friday game. But looking more toward just the Cubs and, and how they're doing, this it's a lost season. It's an evaluation process for this season. But, I mean, just having Bryant back in the environment it leads to the question, in the offseason, do you bring back any of those guys? If there's one guy that you want to bring back, who would that be for you? Let us know. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. If you could bring back one of the big three, Rizzo, Bryant, or Baez, who are you going out to sign and bring back to the Cubs next year? Or would you just let them all walk? Who is it? Hit us up. BlowTWhistle1. Let us know. For me, I've said it all along. It's Bryant. Yeah. I think Bryant is the guy that gives you the most value on that team. Love Rizzo. Didn't think he'd go, but it's Bryant for me. I 100% with you. I love Rizzo to death, but I mean, I'm more thinking just because if they bring back Rizzo, sign a one-day contract just so he can retire as a Cub, I'd be happy as ever. Just because with his back issues that he's been having, yeah, I just I don't really think, I don't know how much longer he's going to have in the league, but yeah, out of those three guys, I would love to bring back Bryant. Yeah, and I'd fr- love to. And the start that Frank Schwindel's on kind of kind of helps ease the pain of losing Rizzo as well because if Schwindel can hold down that first base spot, I, I don't want to say you don't need Rizzo. Rizzo still does things that others can't. A, a multi, multiple gold gloves, a platinum glove over there at first. His defense is definitely valuable to this team as well as was his leadership, but but if Schwindel can continue, and obviously we need to see how the league will adjust to Schwindel and can he then adjust back because pitchers are too good to let him continue to be on this tear forever. So it'll be interesting to see that adjustment process from Frank Schwindel if he ever does have a slump. His longest slump to, to date, just to throw it out there, two games without reaching base. Really? That happened over the weekend. He had back-to-back games where he did not reach base, or not over the weekend. It was actually prior to the Giants series that it happened because Friday he homered. That was the one run for the Cubs. That snapped him out of a two-game slump. That is his longest slump so far with the Cubs, two games without reaching base. And he, well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me because, I mean, he was just, when the Cubs went on that eight, it was, they went on an eight-game win streak, ten-game uh, seven, I believe, seven. And, and then they could not quite get to eight. He he was light. They, he was lighting it up during that streak, and it's really it's bringing me a little bit of hope in this Cubs team because I'm not gonna lie to you, I thought the Cubs organization was over after all those trades and all these new guys coming in because I I wasn't really entirely sure on who was coming in and being the new face of the Cubs, but. They got something going on, but I remember like what you said earlier today was just that the Cubs obviously they had a great run against the Twins, the Reds, and the Pirates. But I mean that's just that's the bottom of the bottom teams. But it was good to see where the Cubs 
set themselves up with as the Giants, the the top team in the Major League Baseball, Major League right now. Yeah, get to kind of compare yourself to, like you said, the top team, best record in baseball right now. So just kind of see exactly where you're at. Obviously, they got swept, but they battled. Even that Friday game, they lost 6-1. to one. But they battled throughout. It was they led at one point, one nothing. They scored first before the Giants scored one in the in the sixth, and then blew it open in the seventh. So the and to that point, Kyle Hendricks went six innings in what was arguably his best start of the year for the Cubs, That's- and then the bullpen gave it up. So there's still questions, especially with the pitching on this team. That's going to be a major issue, a major question. Moving into the offseason, I'm sure they'll spend... They have the money to spend. I hope they'll spend big on pitching, another starter or two, and then some bullpen help as well. But outside of that, the core guys, maybe not for the long run, but at least for this transition stage of the Cubs, they're they're here. Mm -hmm. Guys like Schwindel, Wisdom, Ortega, they're all 29, 30 years old, but those can be your transition guys until Brennan Davis gets called up and these other guys, Ed Howard in a couple of years. And Brennan Davis also got recently promoted last night, got promoted to AAA, so now he's right there. He's, he's right there. He's right on the cusp of, of the majors. So my question to you is, um, and I'm pretty sure we've asked you this uh, like a couple of weeks ago, but so yeah, like obviously it looks like they got their core guys set. So do you think that the Cubs will spend the money and go for a like a solid pitcher, like a great pitcher in the offseason? I don't think they take a top-tier guy. They, If I'm them, you're not going after the top guy. You're not going after Mad Max, Max Scherzer, who uh-huh. congratulations on reaching your 3,000th career strikeout. Yeah, that's... And, and nearly a perfect game in that one, too. They had him going through, I believe, seven perfect innings. I heard about before, that, and that's unreal. Yeah, to have a perfect game and a, your 3,000th strikeout at once, that would have been incredible. Yeah. But congratulations, Max Scherzer, on your 3,000th strikeout. I don't think they go top-tier pitchers. Okay. I mean, even though he's aging, he's still the favorite for the Cy Young probably this year. Okay. Scherzer is, so I don't think they go for him. Okay. But maybe that next level, that those that tier two guys, those those other guys that won't be quite as expensive, and maybe you can get them not on a five to seven year deal, but a, a three to five year deal. I could definitely see the Cubs going after a, a better pitcher at a three-year deal just so you have someone to compliment Kyle Hendricks in there, and it's not just him right. with all these young guys. And that's that's just kind of like, yeah, exactly like you said, the struggle right now. It, right now, all they got right now is just it's it's Hendricks, and they're still like trying to fi- figure out that bullpen. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly who I would say to go get uh, pitcher-wise, but I mean... I would expect them to get like a solid, not like 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 you said, like a top top, but like a solid pitcher to just kind of bring in that consistency and just to get some help in that bullpen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bullpen. Of course, you're gonna struggle a little bit with the bullpen. That's what happens when you trade your top three relievers at the trade deadline and Kimbrel, Tapera, and right. and Chafin. So naturally, there was going to be a bit of a drop off there. But now it's just letting these young guys pitch. Cody Hoyer's been pretty good out there in the pen for the Cubs so far. Manny Rodriguez, not so much. So it's finding out 
I mean, they're still all young, so just letting them adjust and then finding out maybe, all right, maybe this guy just doesn't have it for us, and and you let him go, you bring in someone new, and bullpens are finicky to begin with in terms of one guy can have a great year and then just fall off the next year. So bullpens are always changing. Right, and one pitcher that's been standing out to me lately is Steele. Yeah. Because he's been, he, he despite him having taken the loss in yesterday's game, as that was a close game. It's just he's been like a surprising surpriser to me as well. So it is. It just gives me a little bit of relief to see that there's there's they still got some solid guys left. Yeah, they have some hope. Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, two guys that they're trying out in the rotation for the rest of this year. See if they could be a starter. They had success in the bullpen. So yeah, just continuing to evaluate, continuing to develop these guys. And Steele, by the way. A crazy stat. He was the first pitcher, first Cubs-grown pitcher, so a guy that the Cubs drafted to get a win for the major league team since Jeff Samarja. Oh, wow. So that's that's talking like 2013. Wow. It's been a while since the Cubs have brought up their own pitchers. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's been some time since since a Cubs homegrown pitcher has done something for him. Yeah, definitely. It's been a while. Yeah, well, on the other side of town, White Sox had a key piece return to the rotation yesterday. How did it turn out? We'll let you know next on Blow the Whistle. Two out for Garcia. The 0-2. Garcia, center field. Verdugo back. Who needs a 10th inning? Sox win. 2-1 on two strikes. A little unlikely thunder off the bat of Leury. How about the boys around home? That's right. Credit to NBC Sports Chicago with that call. Walk-off winner for the White Sox, Leori Garcia with the walk-off bomb in the ninth. And they avoid the 10th inning as it was a tightly contested matchup against Boston. Before we dive into the White Sox, though, we have a listener response to one of the earlier questions we asked regarding the Cubs core. And who would you like to see, Tyler? This comes from none other than less. Our boy KB Mac Radio, he says at a team friendly price, it'd be it'd be KB for sure. He's always had the most upside between the three of them, but I just don't see any chance that any three are any of the three are back though. I I can agree to that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, we we all we both agreed. Chris Bryant would be the guy. KB is the guy if you can bring one back. But yeah, the looks of it. I mean, he's with his hometown team and just kind of the send off. He, mm-hmm. he got emotional and everything, which makes it. I mean, he loves Chicago. He said it. He but just kind of the send off that he had. It makes it seem like they wrapped it up. They put yeah. an end to that story to his time with the Cubs. Just kind of just stomped on it and just not like in a bad way, but like yeah, just kind of like it, put a pin in it and it was like that. That's yeah. Good time I, with I, us. It's one of those. Does he get that? Emo- Obviously, he, he he had a great time in Chicago. A lot happened, but it's one of those. Do you go back after that? I, I don't think you get that emotional if it's not the end. No, I I don't think so. I think that's what was kind of hitting Chris Bryant. He kind of knew I had my time with the Cubs, and he loves every minute of it, but the, the chances of it coming back, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he knew that too. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, moving on to the south side, though, the White Sox play in the Red Sox. Battle of the Sox, and both teams 
playoff bound at the moment, at least. The Red Sox tightly contesting for that last wild card spot, or rather the either wild card spot. It, it, they're both just right there in terms of the wild card. White Sox, on the other hand, basically have the division wrapped up. They'll be in the playoffs and get to take on. As of right now, it would be the Astros in the first round of the playoffs. So a tight match. The White Sox did not get to see their their old buddy Chris Sale as he was scratched from Sunday's start due to COVID. But Carlos Rodon came back and pitched for the Sox on Friday. Lance Lynn pitched on Sunday for them. Lynn, nine strikeouts. He, he pitched great. Showed a little discomfort at times. But those are two important pieces to the success, the potential success in the postseason for the White Sox. Oh, yeah. I def- definitely agree. Uh Definitely like the key parts, key players into the Cubs success. Or Sorry, we're on the south side. <laughs> in, the, in the White Sox success for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of those guys though, Carlos Rodon, a pending free agent at the moment. So if he does become a free agent, since you did throw it out there as a Cub, that could be a pitcher you go for. He's, he's not that top-tier guy that should be super expensive. He's having a great year, so that'll drive up his price. But a guy that the Cubs could take a look at. I mean, I would, I definitely, as a Cubs fan, I would not oppose on shopping around for Rodon. Yeah. Because, I mean, we've seen, he, he is very well, very a very good pitcher, and... I mean, hell, just repeat it with uh, swapping uh, pitchers as we know that Craig Kimbrell <laughs> got traded over to the south side. Yeah, so, I mean, you take Kimbrell, we'll take Hoyer, you, you, uh, we got, or the Cubs got, rather, the Cubs got Hoyer, and, and the Cubs now maybe take Rodon back in free agency? I just a thought, just a thought. Since since we'll, you did say Cubs pitcher, I we'll mean. just we'll, we'll just have the <laughs> north and south side just kind of yeah. borrow each other's pitchers. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I mean, yeah, it'll be like the old time with Cy Young and everything. The Cleveland Spiders who have the record for the worst team in all of baseball. It's still yeah. the major league record, worst season ever, where the same owner owned both teams and traded off all the top players from the one team to his other team, including guys like Cy Young yeah. as the other team just I remember apart. you telling me about that, and I just thought that was so odd but yet hysterical. Yeah. I, it'll be a little more difficult to do because after that happened, they did make rules that you can't own more than one team yeah. in the league. So it'll be a, an under-the-table kind of thing. Manfred might get suspicious if the Sox just start trading Abreu and everyone to the Cubs. But yeah. <laughs> I, uh, might throw some red flags. Yeah, we, we, we'll see. We'll see. I mean. Will we complain? <laughs> no. Yeah, Rick Hahn get a concussion or something? Yes. Yeah. It's... Uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen, but we'll, we'll definitely see. As for the Sox, though, I mean, the pieces are starting to come back here as they prep for, for October baseball, as they prep for the playoffs. How deep can this team go? How deep do you see this team going if everyone is back and healthy? Let us know what you guys think. Is this a, a World Series contender right now, or do they still have a hole that they need to fill at during the offseason? Let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. I think they can do it, but they are going to need everything to click. I, I I totally agree with you. They 
now with everyone coming back being healthy, I totally think they can do it. They have the talent. They have like the their key guys. Uh the biggest thing that I'm gonna say, and I've been saying it day in and day out <laughs> every week, is Larusa needs to trust his bullpen. And I'm I'm kind of more saying this too since David's not here to say it. <laughs> but he needs to trust his bullpen and put put his put Kimbrell as his closer as where he should be and where he has been and been so great at and just he needs to trust that bullpen and w- w- when he does that 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 pitching is going to be lights out yeah well white Sox, their magic number down to 9 again all all but guaranteed a playoff spot at that at this point. They do trail Houston, though, in terms of who would be the two seed in the American League right now. So that's a battle to watch as they as both those teams also trail the Rays. Rays currently the top spot in the American League. It'll be interesting to see how how it comes down, what it comes down to in terms of who's hosting who and how it all goes because the White Sox are a better team at home. Most teams are. Yes. But the White Sox, it's, it's kind of dramatic difference from home to road. And then uh, it's not Rockies dramatic, but it, but it, it is a, a considerable difference. But still the fact that they, they struggle against top teams. So that series against Boston, that's a good win, a, a feel-good win series win for the White Sox. Yeah, no, I mean, they've been struggling against the top teams throughout the whole season. So them taking this series from the Red Sox is a good start-off point and good a good little booster to have going into the playoffs because they're going to have to realize they can't just be, they're not going to be dealing with the lower half of the teams. They're going to be dealing with the top of the tops and they're going to have to, they're just going to, that's how they're going to have to play it out and understand that they're going to have to play a little better and harder. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost 2-3 or three in Oakland, but they took 2-3 or three from Boston. So, kind of again, 500, which has kind of been the trend here lately. But they finished the season off against a bunch of non-playoff teams, non-contenders, the Angels, the Rangers, the Tigers, a lot of these teams that they should beat. Yeah. So that's a way to build some momentum going into the playoffs. The only team right now that's fighting for a playoff spot that they play is Cincinnati. They play two games against the Reds at the end of the month. Outside of that, it's all teams that have are pretty much eliminated or have been eliminated at this point. So a chance to build some momentum, but you have to keep in mind, oh, they're winning now. It's kind of like the Cubs. How? Okay, they beat the Pirates and the Twins, but now they play the Giants. Right. Same thing for the Sox. Oh, they won. Let's say they win seven or eight in a row to finish off September. But now you play the playoff team. So just keep that in mind while you're evaluating the Sox here throughout September. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that being said, that is all the time we have here today here on Blow the Whistle. A great show. We talk some football. We talk some baseball. All kinds of things. Uh, Got our our Killing Me Smalls moments out after Montgomery and Nagy and... (laughs) 
Just a lot of things. A lot of things. There will be more. We we could go on all day, have a whole show. We've said before, just killing me smalls moments. Oh, yes, we can. (laughs) I had a lot of fun. I'm sure you did as well. I had a great time. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us as much as we enjoyed talking to you guys as well. Again, you can always hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. That's at B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. And if you miss any of our shows, we record all of our radio shows and play them back. It's on available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, QuadPod Network, all these different spots that you can go to. <laughs> iHeartRadio, how could I forget? So many different how places. Dare you. <laughs> all yeah, all your favorite podcast podcast sites. You can find us, blow the whistle on all of these podcast networks. So be sh- no excuse not to listen to us at any point. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason for you not to listen to the best show. Best sports show, best show in general out there. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, we also do our Facebook Live show as well on Tuesdays. So the next one is tomorrow, 5.30 to 6.30 via the X-Bomb Sports live stream, as well as on our Blow the Whistle Facebook page. We share the stream there as well, 5.30 to 6.30. Be sure to check it out. And our next show on the radio here on SportstownChicago.com, of course, next Monday from 2 to 4 p.m., It'll be me and Tyler again as David's still on vacation. So he'll be slacking off. We'll be pulling all the work. Must be nice. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but thank you again for listening, everyone. Once again, I'm Brandon Janoska. Tyler Buterbaugh. Thank you for listening. This was Blow the Whistle on SportstownChicago.com.